Gemma, and this is Money Can't Buy You Class, a podcast about reality television through a critical lens. Um, we have another excellent guest today, Molly Lambert, the uh, host of Heidi World, which is on iHeartRadio and available everywhere. It's really an excellent podcast. It's excellently researched. Um, it's really funny. It's really fascinating and interesting and everything you should you should listen to it but before you listen to her podcast you should listen to ours right now (laughs) so welcome welcome molly welcome molly hey thanks for having me yeah we're so excited to have molly on um heidi world is yeah like phoebe was saying a really well researched really journalistic um sort of deep dive into you know the heidi flay scandal and um explores all of LA and all of LA's history and Molly you are a native uh Angelino and so that I'm sure influenced your you know writing of it yeah for sure I just sort of couldn't believe nobody had done like a a big deep dive on the story because it was such a crazy story and it made just a big impact on me when I was young um but also I just remember at the time being like why does everybody hate prostitutes so much you know like that was the first time I just ever thought about it of like well why why can't you sell your body that you like theoretically is the one thing in your life that you own um and so yeah it was definitely a very a formative influence on me and yeah I just uh had this idea to make kind of a big California LA history centric podcast about about the Heidi Fly story from a very uh, pro-sex work angle. So yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, of course. And um, right before we jumped on, Phoebe was saying that she had just, so in Heidi World, you mentioned her, you know, her like sort of introduction to reality TV or her, her sort of formal introduction to reality TV as there has, there was sort of crossovers throughout, uh, you know, her scandal and her story, especially. And I would love to talk to you about like, the role of like the show trial and the TV trial. Um, Phoebe had, was feeling emotional because she had just watched the episode of Celebrity Rehab with Heidi Fleiss, which I have uh, not watched. It's it's a whole season. And did you watch it on VH1.com? Yeah. Okay, so it's still available on VH1.com, <laughs> which I like could not believe. The writer, Alyssa Bennett, is really great. Uh, she was the first person who told me about like Celebrity Rehab. And we taped a bonus episode that I like cannot find the audio for, which is why I was being really OCD about the audio when I got on. It's because I'm like, I I can't find like half of the audio for the episode. If I ever find it, I will post it on the Heidi Mm. World Patreon. But she and I just talked about celebrity rehab uh, a bunch. That was the first interview I did for the show. And then I ended up not doing interviews, but talking to her about about Heidi Fleiss. She's written about Heidi Fleiss a few times. Um. But she said this thing, she has this, she wrote something where she talked about, she's written a lot about dead celebrities and sort of like pariah celebrities. 
Mm-hmm. And she writes about sort of this thing that she calls like the violence of our desire for them. Mm-hmm. That I think yeah. is like a great way of putting it, yeah. which is this kind of like build people up and then tear them down. Um, celebrity rehab. I could, I cannot believe it was ever on television and I can't believe it's still online because it's right. so fucked up. Well, yeah. you know, you actually can't access um, the, the Trump show. I'm like, why am I blanking on the the, the apprentice the, yeah there's you can only really? see like season one episode one and then later seasons but like because you can see a little bit of celebrity apprentice but like I really wanted to watch it like a few months ago so right so it's just like it's in, I mean I think that that's obviously political and oh for sure I mean it's so interesting now how things can be like censored and scrubbed off of streaming services like I was mm-hmm. just talking about that because I was talking about when they were like scrubbing the blackface episodes of sitcoms from the past 10 years where it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, like maybe we should sit with like, why were we having blackface on sitcoms in the last 10 years (laughs) instead of like pretending it never happened. Um, And I feel like Disney weirdly does sort of the best job, although they cut out smoking and stuff from like Pinocchio, I think Uh, that kind of thing. But they do have some of the stuff that's just like so racist they can't get rid of it, you know, like the it's like just such an integral part of the movie, like the crows in uh, Dumbo, who I believe are patterned after like Amos and Andy, stuff like that, where they just put like a disclaimer at the front where they're just like, this is from the past. And I don't I that's what was crazy about revisiting the sort of 2000s reality stuff, because I remember it being so insane and dystopian Mm. at the time. And now that we've just reached like five plateaus up in, in dystopia from that, you know, it's like now it feels quaint. Now it's like, remember when people right. remember when this was yeah, just on sure. television and not like also in our phones, the world where like everyone's trying to get famous all the time. And like, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, the 2000s reality world you know I always I have the same reaction every time like it gets kind of I I watched Andy Cohen's kind of random like historical survey show about reality that was so weird I'm so glad how I that's how I learned about celebrity rehab wow such a random like blip I always kind of I'm much more familiar with the Andy of the reunion moderator um rather than the like flashy Hunger Games style talk show host um well he's a bad host actually and that's my strong strongest opinion about Bravo shows is that Andy Cohen is bad at hosting he's terrible at moderating the reunions remember how they had uh Nicki Minaj come on and moderate at Potomac and she was like a much better moderator than Andy Cohen she was like she brought the Wendy Williams style that is like mm-hmm. the good interviewing style where you ask people the hard questions <laughs> to their face, which is what you want in a because it's not like their housewives are so famous. They should be able to side like nobody should be able to sidestep the hard questions. But like, especially with some of the racism stuff recently, I became like actively angry at Andy Cohen for the way he handled it on the reunions because it was just like. He's so he was so sympathetic to the racists always, but you know, like I'm just asking questions, like, like the stuff on Beverly Hills, or I yeah yeah specifically Dallas also like Dallas where things everybody was so racist they canceled the show. Did you guys watch Dallas? No. It, it it's sort of the er show where it's like it's a bunch of racist white women, but the show is editing around the fact that they're racist white women, and then 
because of mm. it being, you know, after 2020, they brought on, they brought on like a minority cast member to almost every Housewives franchise yeah. to be like, we're trying, we noticed. Yeah. Um, and on Dallas, they brought on Dr. Tiffany Moon, who was an Asian American doctor in Texas. And all of the white women were so racist to her. And then, like, when she said, hey, please stop being racist, they would, like, cry and be like, she's calling me a racist. Just the same thing you see on every every iteration of the right. show. But, like, it was crazy because it was, like, one of the main housewives on that show is this kind of dumb cheerleader, Brandy, who's married to – she's a redhead, and she's married to another redhead. And they have, Horrifying. like, five children that are redheads. And her husband's, like, always, like, away on business. Um Dallas is crazy, too, because it's like the most rigid gender roles of any of the shows. It's like the wives are not even allowed to work, really. They just have like charities and stuff. It's Texas. It's real Texas. But there's also this deep, repressed queer energy to it because it's like feels like none of them are fucking their husbands, but they might always almost fuck each other. Oh, wow. Okay. That also, I feel like, carries across the franchise. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that's a trope, I think, among a lot of reality TV casts. We've talked about that a lot with Vanderpump Rules, specifically, um, that it's like a show made out to be about, you know, straight hetero desire, like run rampant. But it actually ends up kind of illuminating the deep, like queer eroticism of like this friend group. Did you guys watch Ultimate Girls Trap? Oh, yeah. Okay, so, yes, we are we are like. I am obsessed. It was with in- the second okay, can we season. Just talk about it for a second. Yeah, let's talk about it for many seconds. It was amazing. There's a lot to be discussed. What was your favorite part? Conceptually, my favorite part was the moment where they're in the hot air balloon, and Dorinda is surveying her property from above, and she's like mm-hmm. so moved. And also, I, my favorite parts are just when Dorinda reveals how haunted she is by her. Oh past. my god. <laughs> Um, but my favorite part, truly favorite funny part was like, I'm just like everybody else. I loved the eyebrow lesbian comment and Phaedra's reaction. That was fascinating. <laughs> Brandy is insane. I mean, yeah. I yet likable. Yeah. I mean, when Tamara vindicated her on the Denise Richards thing. Oh, that was well, also, I'd also like, heard yeah. about that for a while. Really? I feel like it was such a tossed away aside at the end of the second to last episode that they were like, oh, yeah, she has to eat my pussy, too. OK, Denise is just running rampant around BravoCon trying to fuck. Other- you would think if she has this like other like if she has like this life of well, like having sex with women, like why doesn't she like do it with like people that aren't? Here's on- why. Here's why. Um, cause I was like very, cause I also like, I loved Denise in her first season of Beverly Hills. She was so good. And then in her second season of Beverly Hills, she became so strange. And then I developed a theory about it, that it was because she was having a public custody battle with Charlie Sheen at that mm. time. And so I think she realized that like anything she did on television could be used against her in court by his like oh, insane lawyers. Yes. And that even though she clearly is this very like sexually free spirited person actually probably has an open marriage that any of that could be used to make her seem like a bad mom. Yeah. And so she pulled completely back and was like, no talking about it. 
We can't talk about threesomes in front of my children, right. all that stuff. Um, and then I think they like worked out a custody agreement, but she completely, it was like a switch flipped. Um, there's also, um, I also have a, a rumor about her that I'll tell you off okay. the air. My boyfriend's aunt just bought a house in Malibu and one day across like recently across the street there was like a woman who was like clearly like having like a drug craze and was like in the street like yelling and stuff turns out it's charlie sheen's ex one of his exes his cousin like talked to her they like found out it was charlie sheen they like get charlie sheen's number <laughs> sam's cousin texts him and is like hello mr sheen and and charlie sheen calls him and is like hey it's Chaz." <laughs> And then he comes over, he, he comes over, like he sends like a bunch of like, not the police, like a bunch of goons over. They like, they like take her to re- do something, do something happens. And then apparently there was like this huge, like six foot iguana that was in her house. And like, and then like, and then, and then Charlie, Sheen just been like hanging out at the house. And my, my <laughs> Sam's cousin just been like, yeah, I saw Charlie again today. But he's, he's like, please call me Chad. You should leave this in. I don't think any of this is actually actionable. And it's a really good story. Um, I did learn. I did learn also after the fact, after making Heidi World, that uh, Charlie Sheen had a ad firm write the Tiger Blood speech when he was like publicly going crazy oh. after losing two and a half men. And he was like going around giving these crazy rants that the rants were like scripted. oh that's funny um he's just a fascinating person and like I, i'd be interested to talk to you about like what you feel like is like the lineage of like this kind of like of the creation of like these specific kinds of like kind of scorned or like you were saying like Alyssa bennett's interested in these kind of like like pariah celebrities and like the kind of i think it's like fame is such an unnatural state yeah you know to be elevated to fame or to be sort of like artificially complimented for things that like sort of have nothing to do with you and suddenly everybody wants to do things just to be close to you and for you it's like so insane I can't imagine anyone like maintaining mental wellness through that because it feels crazy even before the Britney like era of paparazzi literally like stalking you around yeah um but I think when people then when they lose it or when it gets like threatened in some way it's also like because I feel like you see it happen with well I was gonna say real house ultimate girls trip I feel like that's the central theme right that was what was so crazy right because Jill is like trying to get back in this not just Jill but like Jill Zarin famously always wants back in the spotlight but almost everybody wanted back in the spotlight except for the people who were healthy enough to know that it's bad who are Eva Mm -hmm who always seems like she doesn't really need the show and she was kind of boring on Atlanta yeah. and that's why she didn't get asked back, not because she was like bad, because she was boring. Um, and Taylor, who had such a traumatic experience that I think she knows that like going back on reality TV wouldn't be like necessarily the thing that's going to heal her. Right. Um, but Dorinda is kind of, Dorinda's desire to get back, Dorinda has such... Dorinda has such Mama Rose from the musical, his name I won't say because it's a slur, uh, energy, you know, it's like her, her desire, her like belief in herself that's sort of delusional. Yeah. They all have that kind of delusional belief in themselves, but it's like they're all Tennessee Williams heroines. 
Yeah. It's like the glass menagerie, but there's like eight of them. Well, we were talking, Phoebe was talking about how, like, how deeply, like, American Gothic, the sort of um, show felt. It's so Gothic. And and we started talking about this because you made a great video about Luann, mm-hmm. um, Luann and Tom. <laughs> yeah. That was an art video consisting of the the subtitles of Luann talking about Tom when she finds out Tom is cheating on her. And about sort of, yeah, like the the outward appearance of success and the inward like sniping that they do at each other for like perceived lacks, you right. know. New York, I think, is especially crazy because it's like it's like an Edith Wharton novel. Like they yeah. really all did achieve this high station in society that they were obsessed with exactly. achieving and then lost it and then lost yeah. it. So they're all obsessed with not just like getting a husband they're obsessed with getting like a rich husband yes. who's like name means something to people and will guarantee you know get you a good hotel room like they all want to be Kathy Hilton right right I think that's and I think that's what Rosa's ultimate girl's trip like I mean partly like the second season partly because it was in the Berkshires and like partly because it was just like had Dorinda in it like it did feel like it did remind me that New York is is a show that is so deeply um about women who have lost things like it starts at the beginning with them having something but it, it kind of has always been like a very like well don't they all crew. I feel like across across the franchise it's also like in getting the fame from the show their marriages all yeah. collapse you know, to a point where it's like the people whose marriages haven't collapsed are the outliers. And it's like Kyle and Mauricio. Yeah, I was going to say Beverly Hills, they keep their husbands a little better. Well, I think all the smart ones also like keep their husbands the fuck off camera and sort of off, you know, if your husband wants to be involved in plot lines, <laughs> then that's a red flag. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like a lot of them end up getting in fights yeah. with the other, you know, once you're fighting with your wife's friends on camera, <laughs> like you, you've lost. Yeah. <laughs> you don't look very good. <laughs> and I think the Beverly Hills ones, especially it's like, those are all marriages that look really good on camera, but who the fuck knows what's going on behind closed doors with like Lisa Rinna and oh, Harry Hamlin or well, Kyle and Mauricio or Dorit so and PK. I don't There's believe so that any rumors. of those people have perfect marriages the way they portray them on the show you know and like again I think it's like especially on the L especially on Beverly Hills like a lot of them probably do have open marriages because they're trophy wives and they know I heard a I heard a rumor about Khloe Kardashian which was that that Khloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson were like that she always knew he was fucking people yeah Mm. that she has known that he was fucking everything in sight the whole time and turned a blind eye to it because they make them sign NDAs and that she was mad because this one got public, but that he has like a million other possibly baby mamas. We don't even know about because like, but that's like the point of the shows, right? It's like not even like the lives that these people desire. You know what I mean? Like obvious with like Denise Richards, like it's whatever makes you like, if she, she obviously doesn't want like a monogamous relationship, but it's about, I think that's like the way in which I like to think the housewife shows are like a great and incredible just critique of, you know, heterosexual capitalism because it's like mm-hmm. everybody seems miserable always, no matter how much money they have. They're all like the unhappiest people on earth. Yes. Right. Um, you know, and it, it, the just like money, 
Erica Jane this season too on Beverly Hills has just been like it's tragic. She's actually a very tragic, so very tragic figure. It's crazy. It's also crazy. She's back on TV when she was on the boat and she was like, I used to have a boat. It's also like just getting that rich, just like ruin your brain. Does it just make it so you can't like enjoy a normal experience ever again? Because if I were Erica Jane, I'd be like, bitch, I was a like a titty bar waitress. (laughs) Like, I believe I want to believe that part of her still lives in there. It's like I can always go back to the titty bar and like, you know, manage the girls or whatever. But she's so like, I don't know. I think part of it is also like like a denial they're all just in such deep denial about everything yeah yeah I mean I think too like with the housewives it's interesting because you have like the idea of like fame and then you have the idea of like wealth and like obviously those two get conflated but like Erica Jane is like she's not really I mean she's famous but she's not she's not the level of fame that like Charlie Sheen is that like it it, like alters your brain and and her her like fall from grace is also like like she wasn't even famous inside los angeles but she was like that guy tom was so well tom was really really famous like so i just seem like for for all of the women there's this thing of like they they were they lived a life in the city where doors just were open for them wherever they went and they started to think it was them and not just that they're married to some super powerful yeah. guy. Yeah. And no, then their whole notion of what money is becomes like very different than what like we know money actually is. And I, it's also funny that you bring up the aforementioned, not to be said, musical <laughs> gypsy. Um, <laughs> just, just because I feel like I'm always re- reminded of like different like classic American stories while or tropes while watching the shows like uh like tom and erica girardi they always remind me of like the relationship in like chinatown which like as we know is completely fucked up completely incestuous um and i even think of like because arthur lawrence uh is the guy who did gypsy who then also um did west side story and i just and you know he was like a big kind of like gay dude in LA who then was like kicked out to New York basically because um I for 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 a variety of reasons but he had to relocate to New York um and I I don't know I just like think of the the lore that 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 comes with and you know West Side Story is like based on Romeo and Juliet which is like this classical love story I just think of all these like uh like tropes that go into the creation of like the mind of the mm. housewives not just like the production crew, right but like who they right. think they are well right because a lot of them are like Horatio Alger like rags to riches and it's also kind of shows you can do everything the right way you can like the allegedly right way where it's like yeah use your get as hot as you possibly can and then use it to get as rich as you possibly can right. and then I think just assuming that then nothing can change in your status on either of those things. And then, yeah. And then just facing the reality of like, if a man sees all these women as objects to be like bought and sold, then like, yeah, he'll buy like a new one, you know, at some point, like if you're a commodity. And especially if you market yourself as that, like if you market yourself as a commodity, you know, like there's no convincing. Well, that, this like, is also like all the like trad wife stuff. I'm like, do trad wives know that like trad wives get like trad cheated on by their <laughs> husbands? Like, 
<laughs> this why is that appealing? Like, right. you know, there's just so many things about hetero marriage as an institution and just all the things, yeah, all the things you're supposed to want, especially as a woman right. that are also insane, especially now. Well, that's the thing about housewives that I feel like does endure, right? It's like, it, it, it does stay true to its its name and it's sort of like namesake of like, you know, they, they've added, you know, they, they have women who are divorced. They have women who are not white. They have women who are not Christian. They have, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But they still do strive and like their currency still relies on like their marital status, like who they were married to, who they're going to be and their quality as a mother. Like the motherhood thing of Real Housewives is very very crucial well that's like what i think it's like i don't know i always think about this because i don't feel like there's a word for it it's like the way there's a there's a word for emasculation right Mm -hmm. it's like we need a word for the for the feminine version of it you know where it's like they're always trying to like defeminize each other be like you're not fuckable anymore it's like their internalized misogyny is so bad that they're always just doing it on each other being like no one will ever love you again to each other which is like crazy to do i do also think especially with new york it's like their need to marry another rich guy stops them from finding love and that's like deeply tragic and when dorinda was with john who's not necessarily great but like the fact that the thing they didn't like about him was that he was like a dry cleaner right not that you he know? was like and she was like aggressive yes. coke addict <laughs> right no they don't care about yeah. that they care that he's like working class in right. some way even though he's like dry cleaner to the stars or whatever well and like the manners of it all you know like they they hated his like as you said like his working class manners you know that he would actually show when he got intoxicated instead of like having like the politeness to go into the other room when the cameras weren't there and then on jersey it's like the inverse where it's like the more like that somebody is the more the women respect it they're like wow he's emotionally abusing me real good and i love it because that's what an um, italian man gotta do and that's also like the the feminist awakening of Teresa oh judice did you like, hear the stuff that just came out though about the yeah. guy well i mean he no. seems like a monster also her boyfriend he seems also that's i thought that was just like an incredible like in a prestige arc about somebody who like tries to change tries their best to Ugh. change their whole life they're repressed they're they're miserable their husband's calling them a cunt on screen you know and then finally they're like hey wait a minute what do i want and they go to jail and their mom dies yeah dad dies and ruins their life and then she came out you know namaste teresa and then this season the episode when she dropped the like zen persona and flipped a table that was and like that's what these shows do that I think is like novelistic is it's like you follow people over the course of like 10 right. years and mm-hmm. you watch them you you see what's wrong with them you f- they all become three-dimensional characters where you like see what's human about them even if they're bad people except for Vicky Gunvalson who's such a bad person that she has no interiority and there's nothing <laughs> okay, cool about her love in real house she is hilarious pretty- she's great on ultimate Wait, girls trip does- well, she's so she is watchable, but she is she's like she's very like Trumpian oh, yeah. in in, a, in just but her general, way, you know, where she's so yeah, the way that she said the way that she said, if I die tomorrow, I want everybody to know I died sad. <laughs> like that part was so funny. Yeah. Thing, I mean, I haven't really watched OC. Like I'm I'm go I'm going to now. 
Oh my God, you should. Yeah. OC is the original and OC is like, it was just spun off of like the success of mm-hmm. Laguna Beach and the OC. And I love a reality TV, like lineage. Like I love like seeing. Right. So what, it starts yeah. in like, it starts in 2000s Orange County with all yeah. the Von Dutch oh hats Lord. you'd expect. Yeah. And it's also just like, I think when you, cause I've definitely like rewatched some whole oh, housewives, especially during COVID. Like when you go back to the beginning and they start in the 2000s, there is this kind of like, like boom time to recession arc that also yeah. happens. You think made everyone's like loving Ultimate Girls Trip, and like as a devotee of the franchise and as a watcher of many of of all the you know of all of the seasons, like and like a because I feel like it's a it's a show catered to the super fan, which is part of why it's so successful. But like, what do you think made? I mean, what did you think of season one and what do you think made season two like so much so good? I mean, I liked season one, too. I thought season one was good because they addressed some of the things you wonder about on the show that mm-hmm. they don't talk yeah, about. Exactly. Where, like Kyle Richards opening up and saying that, you know, that people do send Mauricio yeah. thirst, thirst traps all the time and that she is yeah. like, you know, self-conscious about it and vulnerable, like. And, you know, I maybe like Kyle Richards more, which is she's so annoying on Beverly Hills. And I love seeing the dynamic there of also like just that they all hated Ramona so much. It was just the Lord of the Flies where it was like Ramona made Teresa seem like an angel. Ramona has also just like gone downhill so fast because she's like completely lost her head. She just has no empathy for people, which often makes for like a great reality television character, but like not somebody that you want to spend that much time with in real life. Well, she's probably. very much like a Vicky Gunvalson at this point. And I think that you can also see she that and in Vicky the politics are... where it's just like, there's something going on in their yes. heads where they're these like completely neurotic non-Jews, <laughs> you know? And I think that like being a neurotic non-Jew yes. actually for like- I think, I think it's also like they have this white woman entitlement that's so instructive because they're so entitled. They're like, the, the world belongs to me. And they're both like as ugly as a person can so be ugly. while still being blonde, yeah. you know, but they expect that whiteness and blondness to like carry them through life as though they're hot, you know, and there's something about a really just like hideous uh, inside and out woman like Vicki Gunvalson being so sure that she deserves love yeah. that, you know, it's fun to watch her fall for scammers because who cares take her money well, that was sucks. a really interesting a- part of ultimate girls trip where it's just like she's gone through this breakup and she immediately goes to bluestone manor and it's like i feel like part of like the only way that the other women know how to comfort her is being like oh you deserve better oh he was horrible it's like watching them try to comfort her was very telling to me well someone i know also looked it up and said that like they didn't actually break up right before the show that they had broken up months ago and that she was just sort of like in denial that it was happening mm, okay you know because so I think him he had just moved his stuff out finally and I think that was like she finally realized that he was really breaking up Mm -hmm. with her and so but he had but then he put out the statement being like she doesn't want to accept that like I ended our relationship like months before that so I think she was also playing it up a little bit that the whole the whole show was like just about denial and then the people who you were thought you were really gonna like really hate were the ones who actually like brandy for example like actually is finally 
maybe has never been in denial and is actually likable because of that. No, Brandy, I think I think Brandy's problem is that she thinks she's a really bad person and she's like not actually that bad of a person. But her sort of like it's like she leads with it like what's her character too, right? It's her it's her like her character as a real housewife. Yeah, she's like she knows that she's there to mix it up and and be a bitch, but sometimes it feels like yeah. she's she's forcing I, forcing I being don't a bitch. Like Brandy. And I like I understand I really don't like her and it's not I don't like her either, but I think she's like you miss having somebody like that on the housewives because housewives Beverly Hills now is like so anytime there's like a troublemaker they all just like team up to like yeah. push them off the boat you know that is true but i but i also feel like the the role of brandy has almost been like usurped by like the like reality steves of twitter mm-hmm. you know? oh for like sure the- yeah because she's just a chaos demon who leaks information yeah exactly but i know that can just be done right and it actually that type of shit is like addressed on the show with or without brand i don't know but it but it is weird because like she does keep coming back and she is like interesting to look at to use the kim kardashianism or whatever like she she is even in her grotesqueness she's very interesting to look at and she actually has like a real fireness mm-hmm to her soul um like a real um like she completely explodes in a way that I think that that's what I I almost see missing is that the women don't let themselves get to a certain point anymore like Erica maybe but you still see a lot of like no I I agree I think it's like especially in Beverly Hills they know you know people always accuse Kyle of like ghost Mm -hmm. producing that she knows how to produce herself I mean Beverly Hills in general is just like I feel like a show about the women producing each other and themselves, you know? Yeah. Trying, they know how to do it too well. Cause they're all yeah, in the they're entertainment all business. business. And I, mean, I actually, so since we're on Beverly Hills, I mean, what do you make of, so Diana Jenkins, um, introduction. I mean, so clearly wow. there's some, you know, there's some, there's some, we talked about this on Deckheads a little bit, but I think so. Diana Jenkins, you know, we're going to talk about yeah, the that, and then like Adam. all the people think she's a flaw. You're the perfect person to talk I, the to Madam about was that. Yeah. Adam. yeah, let's talk about that. Well, she denied it, which at first I was kind of like, why are they bringing her on the show even if she's not going to talk yeah. about it? It's like the most, the most and only interesting thing about her. Um, but then she turned out to be such a chaos team, and I do think she's yeah, good I for Beverly Hills. She's mean. She is like a new Dory where it's like she's mean and scary and weird, but she's also super powerful, which makes all the other women afraid yeah. of her in a way that they're not afraid of like Sutton or whoever, even Crystal, or they feel like they can punch down. Um, Diana's a, a psycho. She's nuts. Um, she's totally crazy. I love it. It's good for the show, but it's crazy. She, she um, is. She is. She seems she's, very, very like she could really fuck you up. She seems really mean. She seems like she could really fuck you up. All of her like, yeah. I'm just an. Yeah, the way she's like, I'm just a nice Bosnian refugee is like so and her cute little bisexual so husband. <laughs> yeah, we- I mean, <laughs> she's got. We don't know. Nobody knows what Diana Jenkins knows. But someone, my friend Brody Lancaster, who has a podcast uh, as well, ha- uh, did an image search on Getty Images for Paris Hilton and Diana Jenkins and pulled up like a million photos of them partying. Um, 
And so I think Diana, this is what we decided on deckheads. I don't think Diana was a, mm-hmm. like a real madam, but I think she was a yeah. connector. I can see that. You know what I mean? I think there's a type of woman in these milieus. Um, I'm not going to, you know, maybe not doing things as outright uh, illegal and immoral as like Ghislaine, but whose job it is is to like introduce fresh meat right. to a bunch of old rich guys. So you see some of that on Heidi World too, where it's like people who weren't straight up pimps or madams, but whose job was kind of like, hey, this young hot girl just got to town and she'd really like to find out yeah. how to make a lot of money. I'm going to bring her to like the party with all of my rich right. old guy friends. And then that Paris Hilton then sort of became that person bringing like Lindsay and Lohan that and people like, to stuff. That does seem like a um, trope. I mean, that just just seemed like what it's like to be at a certain level of like wealth and sort of, you know, distinction of you know fame or whatever it's like you know there's photos of sonia morgan and jeffrey epstein you know there's there's so many carol oh, Rad- carol yeah. radzawal Gillian took the photo that for carol's is, book that's because carol's like so like women empowerment like i'm smarter than and she denies well, it she know, denies it never... but i think I think it's also, like, but look at the, it, look at her book. No, I know, photo. but, but that's photo. what I'm saying. She'll, she, even she's like, I have no idea who that is. It must've been. I, th- I think it also goes to show how easy to fool rich people are that yeah. like Epstein was able to do it. And Gillian were able to do it to all these rich people is that if they do meet you at a gala, yeah. rich people just trust True. each other. Yeah. They're like, you know, and what's crazy about the Epstein stuff is how few people said no to like going on the plane. Right. You know? how few people got a sketchy vibe and said, mm, I don't know. Cause so many people were just like, yeah, he's a rich guy. He's got a private plane. Me too. We are all friends now. Yeah. Private plane guys, you know, and she's hot and she just feels like she came to America with a plan. Yeah. And put that plan to work. Yeah, she's, she's interesting, but it's also, I think that, and Gemma, I feel like we used to talk about this a lot more, but it's just like, I think that part of the, inability almost to relate or empathize with people who have that much money like oh if I were there I would do this is because like I'm not the type of person that would ever be able to be that rich because of all the like moral ethical political whatever hoops it would take to be that Mm -hmm. rich you know what I mean right Right. well they're all criminals that's what I also like the the turn towards true crime (laughs) in recent seasons makes perfect sense but like I loved the Erica and Tom story because it got so in the weeds of like corruption in Los Angeles which is obviously a thing I'm very interested in of like yeah how you know who's shaking hands behind closed doors to make things really happen it's not all the people that live in the city it's like 10 guys um and that Tom who we all only knew of from this show as like this like you know sunny old man turns out to be this this evil right. fucking psycho because especially because he was a lawyer unlike some of the he other guys who are straight up like realtors was built on the fact that he helped the little man Aaron but also that highly publicized highly fictionalized career starting with Aaron Brockovich which is such a movie such an American movie about redemption I finally watched that very it's so good. Like easy oh, art yeah Oh my God. When, when, so good. Steven Soderbergh, we asked Steven Soderbergh to come on Deckheads every week because he's like <gasps> the number one below deck fan that we've ever really? heard of. He loves, yeah, he's like spoken. He does this roundup of all they the TV he watches every he year that. and posts it online. 
and it's like always below oh, every my. episode well, of Scorsese. Scorsese um, apparently loves Vanderpump Rules. Well, who? A good wow. day. See, I, I know. He, you know, Jax has real. Jax has real <laughs> mean streets energy. And he, and he, he's the fucking Scorsese like eyebrows. <laughs> like as the guys get older, yeah, exactly. <laughs> got the cocaine eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um uh, I forgot what we were talking about. Yeah. I mean, oh. Yeah, I, oh, I yeah, guess the true, I, crime. Just yeah, the true right. crime stuff. I it is like if you if you zoom out on all the shows, it's like there's probably somebody, everybody who has that much money is making it in some way right. that's unethical, clearly, which is maybe why it should have rung some alarms that Tom was like, you know, <laughs> the richest person in the city, even though he like I don't know. Like, part of me is like, maybe Erica did just think that's how much money a lawyer makes if he's a Beverly well, Hills you know, that's lawyer, the trope, right? Of like these women who get, are married to these nefarious men is like they are just like, shush, shush, honey. Here's the platinum. Like, go have a good day with your friends. And you know, there's a part of me that like certain like Teresa, I truly believe did not understand what was going on. I I love Teresa. I truly do. I think she's a little bit of a dum dum. I think they're all like right. Carmella. I think it's like they see the nice things come in and they don't ask questions. And if they hear something, they just pretend they don't, you know, because that's the thing is like, even if you're it's right. still blood money, which is such a trope of femininity right. also. Like that's so like, it's such right. a it's like, like they do. all idealize being reliant on a husband, even though none of them are reliant right. on their husbands for the most part, because they're all right. they make a lot of money. So yeah. it's like, they all yeah. do have a yeah. career and that career is being a real housewife. But there's something else about the lure of the camera where it's like none of them. They're like murderers in a movie. None of them can resist right. being like if somebody wants to put them on camera. They're I mean, like, OK, great. Let's do it. Nobody looking right, at my past. Say, like, I'm Jen, Jen Shaw, Shaw just sealed like Jen Shaw sealed her fate of going to prison for at least I would say 10 years, at least eight to 10 she could have just been right. rich and so gotten like, what away is that with about? it like, forever. And like, you know, I think like, so actually, you know, it's interesting to think about like these, these sort of like housewife criminals in tangent, like in, in like with like this kind of like Heidi Fleiss narrative, right? Because like Heidi Fleiss, like also she, she also did let the fame and the money a little bit get to her head, right? But she never did anything, it seems like that, that screamed as much as like getting in front of a camera that she wanted to get caught. She kind of rode the coattails of her fame, but you know, it's kind of interesting to me, like that. Just, I don't know, like the true crime aspect has been something that like we've been talking about for a while. And like, I don't, you know, it's, it's just, it's just endlessly kind of interesting to me just as a genre, you know, I think it's like, it just, it feels like they get addicted right. to getting away with it. It's like, what's better than money getting away with stuff that normal people couldn't get away with if they weren't super rich. And that was also like the crux of the OJ trial, right? right? It was like rich white men murder their wives all goddamn day and get away with it because they're rich white men and they're protected by the system. And OJ was saying, Hey, I'm a rich black man who has spent my whole life, like, you know, fitting this mold and and being friends with cops and all that stuff. Like I deserve to get away with it too. You know, that whether or not I did it, which clearly he did, that he should get away with it because the city was yeah. so corrupt that like people like the guy, the the Black Dahlia doctor that Chinatown was based on, uh, who, you know, had an incestuous relationship with his daughter, allegedly, 
and was like a famous Hollywood abortion doctor. Uh, he got away with all this, you know, that, that maybe the LAPD knew he murdered the Black right. Dahlia and just let it go because right. he was so powerful. So that's like what I also thought was so interesting about Heidi World was like, yeah, yeah who gets punished and why? And the, the OJ trial and the Heidi trial being, being these kind of twin. Yeah, that was really the 90s of like, yeah. Yeah, of just like, hey, remember the LA riots? Don't. Do yeah. not remember that. Yeah. The cops are in charge now and they are cracking down on crime. Um, but also, yeah, the way that the mainstream media kind of reinforced that narrative of like, yep, the cops are doing a great job cracking down on time. And then how people rejected it. Yeah. They were like, no, fuck that. We side with Heidi. Like Heidi is cool and better at manipulating the media. And obviously OJ was such yeah. a big media figure before the trial that it was like a lot of people were also like, hey, I love that guy from the commercials, you know, like that's such a powerful thing that can, I just think it's like it can give you this kind of godlike power because people are just projecting on it so much. Yeah, there are all these that can go. I mean, even what you just said with like, you know, I'm from the commercial, um, like there, there are all these like different types of like conglomerated medias that are that are enforcing like various narratives. Like there's the journalistic narrative, which is which is pro cop in this sense. But then there's also the like making a hero of someone like OJ or like Heidi through like various other types of almost like non-journalistic media. But then you even have like your podcast, which you know, is, is, is a podcast or, you know, it's, it's something that's very hybrid and very new and very like current, which is like resuscitating or making more complicated, actually what was going on. Like, it's, it's just very interesting to me. Like when you think of reality television as like a desire for the camera, like a desire to be seen, but then on our part, a desire to see something about like what types of like media I, I mean, this it's so like media 101 or whatever, but like what different types of no, media I mean, say? it's interesting because it's also it's like disseminated to everybody now through Instagram. So it's yeah. like and TikTok and everything. So I think it's like it used to be sort of unusual to want to be on camera, you know, and like in the beginning of Heidi World, it's like Heidi and, and Charlie Sheen and Paul Thomas Anderson, all these other like 70s kids in LA had Super 8 cameras and would make Super 8 movies with their friends. But that was like pretty unusual, you know? And you just watch them with your friends and then just like, it just becomes easier and easier to get on television. It becomes easier and, and more accessible to become to get on screen. And then, you know, when smartphone come come out, it becomes possible for everybody to get on screen and to sort of use screens to manipulate your own image in this way to fit like you know your own personal housewives tagline <laughs> yeah. how you would like right. people to see you versus how you right. actually are you know and so I, I think also kind of like be feeling feeling judgmental about people who do want to be on camera feels kind of oh, impossible yeah. at this point because it's like cameras are so prevalent in our lives they're everything I don't know. Well, but you also I it's was I was reading your I was reading the interview that you did with Elle, <laughs> which I thought was really great. But you had this you have this really interesting kind of thread where it's like it's like the only time that like selling image or only time that images of yourself become criminalized is when you sell them. 
it's like when it turns from just like them being on Instagram passively and or being like, I'm actually I, I can if I sell this image, if I can sexualize it as like an example, there's the crackdown. Yeah, I mean, and it's specifically targeted at mm-hmm. sex workers and targeted at people who need OnlyFans income is, you know, if you post a horny photo of yourself, it's like theoretically fine. But if you post a horny photo and say like, hey, check out my OnlyFans, they will they will ban right. you. Yeah. Um, and and you see that people like uh, I use Kylie Jenner as the example all the time, but like Kylie Jenner can post essentially like her nipples can be out and she won't get banned because even though she's selling her own sexually commodified image, she's like considered at a different tier of fame than like an average, you know, a, a, an actual well, sex worker. Kendall who... literally posted a full body nude. And when I tried to make it my story, right, yeah. that's what I mean. And, and, and like only fans, itself has an account on Instagram and Pornhub has an account. Basically, it's like the rules, the rules are if you give them money, they'll let you do it. You know, (laughs) they've all always been selling themselves. They've all always been part of like the sex industry. Well, I loved I also loved Denise Richards kind of coming to that. Did you like with the OnlyFans stuff? Because her one of their her daughters were Charlie Sheen joined OnlyFans and she was kind of like, well, she's 18. I can't tell her what to do. And Charlie Sheen first completely flipped out and then put out like the gent, you know, this weirdly charming <laughs> statement about like, hey, I just want this best for our family, right. like um, as he is wont to do. But then Denise Richards started an OnlyFans herself where she was kind of like, I guess if anybody wants to see these right. old bones, <laughs> I could show them. But she said in her statement about her daughter, basically, she was like, wait, well, if she posts a bikini shot on Instagram, she doesn't get any money from it. But Mark yeah. Zuckerberg like does. And if she posts it on OnlyFans, but then you she gets more money, you know, Rinna and her daughters. And it just looks so. Lisa Rinna looks so bad. Well, there's also like an like- L.A. I feel like I don't know if it's just an L.A. specific thing, but there is this thing of like the the hot mom who like competes with her daughters to the right. death, you know, to be hot forever, to be not just hot, Except but Chris like Jenner. hotter got, than her daughters. Chris. Chris not trying to be hotter. No, Chris Jenner. No, she, she's just trying she, to be pow- more powerful. Chris Jenner though. No, she just wants to be more powerful. It's true, but she did want to be hot. That's her whole thing is that she tried. She was like a flight attendant. We learned and yeah, she was doing it because it was a job for hot women at that time. It was the whole idea was you were like a beautiful woman to be of service to, you know, businessmen. The friendly skies with Chris Jenner. Well, especially when she did it, it was before the Supreme Court, right? Wasn't it before the Supreme Court case that was about like ageism and being a stewardess? And you could meet right, your... You meet your future husband flying to Dubai. Well, that's like, didn't Erica meet Tom because she was like a waitress? Like they all... Yeah, I listened to, I listened, I had to drive like cross country for like my job and I listened to Erica's memoir (laughs) and um, it was really interesting. Like she, um, she basically unsurprisingly is a deep, 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 deep theater kid. Like she's like a musical girl who like, but like, well, yeah, I feel like she also went method for Chicago and never came back. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's how OJ met Nicole, too. OJ met Nicole at like a fancy restaurant where she was the waitress because it was also like, 
Yeah, it was a circuit. I mean, I think that's too. There's like these underground economies of like certain places are sort of implicitly for for matchmaking between. But now it's just Raya. Now it's just Raya. Now it's like if you're a young hot chick and you want to meet a weird old guy with money, you just do that online. Yeah. You don't need to be a waitress. Someone offered to get me on Raya. Um, but I, I don't know that, that almost scares me more than just like it or not scares me, but I think that like Raya is, it sounds like kind of a horrifying prospect of people like trying not only to be hot, but also to like see and be seen on the app, but also be like, not only am I beautiful, but also I'm rich and talented. Yeah. I just imagine it being like DJ James Kennedy a hundred times. We met him. We met him last year. He actually is. I met him last year he's too. Beautiful. He's actually very attractive. Where did you At meet him? Sir. We also met oh my Jeremy God. Maddox. <laughs> I went to the. I went to the uh, Tom Sandoval show. The, the cover band show. Oh, did? How was? Yes, it? it was like the first thing I did after COVID. <laughs> it was like the first live music I saw, oh and it, and I like was so happy. Were there a lot incredible. of people there? Yes, and they opened with an Incubus no. song. <laughs> Okay, I He's really, I mean, Schwartz and Sandy's is opening. Schwartz and Sandy's. I want to go. We have to go. We have, we have to, go. to go. No, I mean, it was actually, it was so fun. I know I talked to Ariana. Oh my God. Uh, she seems like a chill They all girl. just kind of hang out. She's very chill. She follows me on Twitter. But I mean, I think <laughs> Vanderpump people are very, they they are the perfect level of knowing, knowing how famous they are and not thinking they're more famous. So, okay. So you have always clearly you clearly have always had some interest in celebrity culture or reality tv pop culture um do you see the like sort of Heidi world research you did as like part of that like do you feel like that's related to the reality because you do have a moment in Heidi world where you talk about reality tv specifically you make a point to pull it out yeah I mean I didn't I I didn't I didn't know it was gonna be such a part of it until I talked to Alyssa and she told me about the celebrity rehab season just because she was like, it's crazy. They bring her abusive ex-boyfriend on halfway through without telling her. It's horrible. It's just like, it's such an insane, it's horrible. And it's such an insane thing that it was like on television that Dr. Drew put her in this situation in front of a camera because he knew it would be like interesting television. That's like bad for the people you're treating, which is like the crux yeah. of a lot of reality is like yeah Dorinda's entertaining but like should she be an alcoholic no. on tv like no and you reach that point with a lot yeah. of the housewives as they get older where it's like if they have a fun drinking fun. problem it stops being fun even the night even the fun drunks like Sonia it goes to a very dark place of like these people yeah. are blacking out every night like she throws up on the bus and they show it right like when they t- yeah just like Ramona pissing the bed all the time like geez ugh. pooping on the floor yeah like they're they're gross but um I also just I forget when I found out that Heidi was cousins with Mike Fleiss who invented the bachelor but that was like the that was the thing that made me be like oh yeah because I had a kind of a yeah like it's this tabloid fame like becomes reality fame in this way of like that you can kind of get famous for whatever and then how far you take that fame is like depends on how talented you are and like sometimes you see it now with people like cardi b who like parlayed 
viral videos, backstage viral, like Cardi B to me is like the true Horatio Alger story, reality story of our time. Cause she part or Kelly Clarkson. Those are like the only two talented people to ever use reality television as a platform to become super famous is Kelly Clarkson, Kelly Clarkson, Jennifer Hudson, Hudson, Carrie Underwood, Mm -hmm. but Kelly Clarkson. It was also like, they, they should have just called it a day after the first season. They should have been like, okay, we found them. We found her the end. Um, Cause it's like, they couldn't do better TV than that. She was perfect for that. And, um, and Cardi B did these like viral videos backstage from the strip club and then got hired onto love and hip hop from it. And then was so is just so funny and good on love and hip hop is like one of the greatest reality presences ever. Just everything she says is funny. Um, and she's always in charge, you know, mm-hmm. she's always in control of the narrative. You can tell. And then left love and hip hop when she didn't need it anymore. And then put out a rap song and nobody believed she was being good at rapping. And she also was. So I do think sometimes it's just like people are meant are people who now who are going to get famous. It kind of doesn't, it also kind of doesn't matter how it starts. It's like Lil Nas X too. It seems like more likely that now people will start, start on TikTok, go to reality, then go to mainstream. Yeah. And now it is like reverse for people that have like mainstream careers have to get on TikTok and show they can do a stupid dance. Um. But then it's also like you see things that are like TikTok celebrities and it just completely looks made up to me, you know, where you're like, who are these did people? Did you see that reality show? Did you see the uh, the D'Amelio show? No, I didn't see the D'Amelio show, but this recent Addison Ray scandal kind of made me want to see. What's the scandal? Oh, that her dad was like fucking, fucking young women and, and uh just lying to them that his marriage was over Ugh, and then got caught that's... and he looks just like um he looks just like lala's ex like randall oh, oh randall yeah oh that was a whole story that he looks like won. rand i think he's also like a little bit of a stage parent he just looks like a slime bag and he was like fucking 25 year olds who kind of look like his daughter Ugh, and then God. the text That's got weird. leaked and they're all really embarrassing <laughs> you know of him oh, being like no. baby i love you baby I'm not lying. Um, well, the D'Amelio show was a freaking was so depressing. That's I mean, the Kylie show was so depressing. She, I like, loved it. Yeah. Just like they don't put me in a dark place. I think it is just like, I watch it all. And like, however, Kim Kardashian, is, Kim Kardashian is the only person on earth who like fully just loves to be filmed at all times. I feel like who just fully cannot that is her interiority she doesn't have one she's the perfect woman she has no interiority she's just a shiny vessel and no but i think she that's also what's fun too about like the vertigo ness of kanye dumping her and then trying to replace her with like an identical clone and being like oh but they're a different person even if they look exactly the same because plastic surgery can make you a kim kardashian that like there is something about Kim Kardashian that differentiates her from like Cheney Jones, you know, who looks just right. like her. Um, and it's that Kanye right, can't still have her anymore. Him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she's, kind of, she's just her mom built her for this. It's also, again, like the musical whose name I won't say her mom <laughs> engineered this life for her. Her mom convinced her that the greatest thing on earth was to be this like 
universally desired most famous woman in the world that there's no downside right and she gave up her own life for fame she's like james bond she's like (laughs) an agent of the state for celebrity as a concept Um, yeah. James Bond has famously no interiority. Right. I mean, I mean, I think that's her whole thing is being like she's Could even be played by different characters and it's still James Bond. And that's like also why the, the like the Kardashian sisters dynamic is so clearly real and the rivalries and stuff are so real. Yeah. That also, I think whenever they cast people that are related to each other on a reality show, it's like there is a dimension of reality to it where you're like, these people really do have a million years of grudges and resentment and weird inside jokes. Yeah. I mean, I'm still, I'm still like everybody else. I mean, I'm vying for the Kathy Kim Kyle show to come on. I don't think they're going to do it because I think they will never do it because Kathy knows better, but also Kathy serving Kyle a baked potato with caviar was so funny. Kathy is just, uh, didn't, you know, she's a kook. She's a genuine kook. So kooky. I went to her house also, was that last summer and profiled her and you did yeah before you met her yeah um i met her and she was exactly like she is on the show is she yeah like like just what's her house like? broad it's actually much I like it's kind of nice it is nice it's like she's kind of co- not i want to say cool but like cooler than she's, yeah kyle she oh, has a, terrible taste, right? It's like Kyle, I think, is kind of the uptight one. And Kathy has like, is that guy's name Peter Beard? It's like she has like, like sexy art 70s photos, nudes okay. and stuff. There's like a woman, like a naked woman with a giraffe by this guy, Peter Beard, that she had. Oh, interesting. And she had like a Warhol print, but like, I think it was Mick Jagger even, but it was like real, you know, where you're like, (laughs) she kind of talked about herself. Like she was like this rocker who like loves the Rolling Stones. So it's like, my God, her place was this kind of incredible mix of like old Hollywood, that great, like Beverly Hills kind of Tudor style. And then like a Murakami sculpture, you know, it was very like, Oh yeah, this is Paris Hilton's mother. And then she had a giant, painting of Paris and Nikki as little girls in like matching velvet dresses on oh the stairwell. That's good. Wow. So you so yeah, so you profile a lot of celebrities. So you you're both interested in celebrity culture and you you meet I'm a lot also of like I'm not that interested in celebrity culture, I think is the thing. I just I feel like I got <laughs> sidelined into it, but like I don't I don't care that much about famous people. I, I, I'm interested in celebrity as like a function of power, I guess, but like, or as like a cult as a way to like, think about, I think I like it. Cause I like thinking, using it as a way to think about like the world. Yeah. I mean, live I, in or like what's happening currently. I and- feel like when I first started writing about it, I was like, well, I'm not, it was, it was also just cause it was something you could do without having to like spend money or go anywhere (laughs) you know it's like you can review reality you can review movies and review tv and stuff Mm -hmm. and like I don't know like I I think I always thought of it as like they're they represent like young like character types like young Ian character types the way that like Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Like the ancient Greek gods do, you know, where you're like, Mm -hmm. that's the drunk one and that's the smart one. And that's the one who's good at hunting. Um, (laughs) But I always recognize that like my interpretation of that stuff was like astrology, essentially, that it was not based on like who those people really are. It was based Mm -hmm. on like their image, how we see them from screens. Yeah. And I do think it's interesting that like in that time, yeah, now everybody has like a star image of themselves that they develop through posting, whether it's like heavily focused on their appearance or just kind of like, you know, I for years was like, I don't want to post my face. I'm just going to post like landscapes, you know, and, and trash and buildings. But that still like becomes your personality online, you know, is that right? you're the person who posts trash buildings. And then for this Heidi Fleiss thing, I was like, I'm going to post my face because I also interviewed an influencer and she made so much money from just posting her face and doing stuff. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, take a step. I need to be. Uh, yeah, I don't need to be a purist. I will. I will sell out. Are you working on anything right now? Yeah, I have. I've got more things in the chamber, but I can't talk about them publicly yet but more in the same vein and more kind of explorations of power through through interesting stories but yeah I I guess I also just have always been interested in Hollywood because I'm from LA it's like right it is the the local culture and it is and you're from the valley right and I'm from the valley which is why I love porn stars who are their own (laughs) star system you know and their own Mm -hmm. movie industry that's kind of like reality is like this this other shadow uh media industry that like basically functions the same but has different rules and different uh different outcomes yeah a true inland empress <laughs> <laughs> um you know who's a true inland empress is i believe crystal kong minkoff is from the inland empire yes and also <laughs> Also, Padma Lakshmi. Oh, yeah. You know what? A lot of famous people are from a lot of child stars, too. Are, I was just talking about this. A lot of them are from the Inland Empire because I think you're like, it's like the big city over. Thank you, Molly, for joining us. Everyone, if you haven't listened already, walk. I mean, run. Don't walk. <laughs> Sorry. Run. Walk, don't walk don't. to your to your device and wherever you get your podcasts. iHeartRadio. Yeah, Heidi check World. Check it out. It's, it's got a really, fun theme I, song. It's got it's got a yeah. bunch of different characters. It's very, very entertaining. It's very fun. If you live in L.A. like me and you drive around endlessly, it's a great thing to listen to. You're driving around. You're looking around. You're hearing your city's corruption being spoken back to. It's one of my favorite pastimes of living. In but LA. also by just like a really fun group of like L.A. People and New York people, but you know what I mean. Even An like interesting the voices, group of, yes, of the voices are cool. People. Yeah, internet people. Maybe you'll recognize the friend. Yeah, our friend, our friend Gracie Hadland may appear. Oh yes, she may. <laughs> she may. Um, cool. Um, Thanks, guys. We have to have you back soon. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, maybe when Jen fun. Shaw's sentencing. <laughs> should we live stream? Oh, the- you totally <laughs> should. Yeah. Talk about a show trial. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Thank you, Molly. All right. Bye. Bye. Have a good night.
your class Money can't buy your class Elegance is learned, my friends Elegance is learned, oh yeah Money can't buy your class Money can't buy your class Elegance is learned, my friends Elegance is learned How many men there are that forget to hold the door When I give them so much more than they can imagine Money rich and manners poor Never got the boys too far Money talks but I just walk When I can't stand it And the primary mistake Texting on a date If you make a lady wait She'll take a pass The lesson all should learn Even if there's cash to burn Respect yourself cause no one else Can change your path Money can't buy your class Money can't buy your class To allow the men you've met To exemplify their very best behavior When entering a room, greet everyone And soon you'll be invited and entitled to the grandeur Your company should feel when a conversation's real Even if the topic feels like science class You can tell where someone's been without even asking him He's either rude or has some style and panache Money can't buy your class Money can't buy your class Elegance is learned My friends Elegance is learned Oh yeah Life is all about elegance and flair And savoir-faire You don't have to be rich or famous To be unforgettable Haha <laughs> It's not about where you're from, it's about what you've learned. Money can't buy your class. Money can't buy your class. Elegance is learned, my friends. Elegance is learned. Money can't buy your class.